Welcome to Any Honey and the Newt. Welcome to another episode of Any Honey and the Newt. Um, we've talked through this season about love and relationships. We started by talking about the love of basketball that we have as fans, the relationship of players to the sport and players to their organization and teammates and to the fans. Then we kind of shifted gears and talked about relationships in an interpersonal way. We've been grateful to have so many guests this season to come on and share their thoughts on love and, and conflict. And we're gearing up for hopefully a final episode on on, for the season on conflict in society and how we might perceive and approach those conflicts through a lens of love. But before we do that, we thought it was only fair if we interviewed all these guests that we interview each other and get kind of our our perspectives on these. Not because we're any kind of final authority. We're not trying to wrap up the series on this. It's just more so that you can we can be a little bit more transparent about our thoughts on these topics. Yeah, now we're put in the hot seat. Right. <laughs> I have to like. I so guess, here we go. Yeah. To start, I'll say that like every one of our guests, except for maybe my dad, uh, but I think he even said it too, was like how nervous they were to join, and we were like, no, this was meant to be no pressure. And now I'm a little nervous because I'm like, these are my thoughts. I'm not just like brainstorming here. Yeah, we lied to all our guests. I'm nervous every week. <laughs> <laughs> So since you've already got the nerves going, Anthony, let me put you in the hot seat. Let's do what it. is love? <clears throat> love, the biggest tough question. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, uh, when we started thinking about what this series would look like, you and I kind of had a little brief discussion about what this is. So uh, at that time, and I think I still feel this way, is that um, love, I used to have this big romantic idea of love, kind of like the Hollywood movies. Um and so I guess I've come to this conclusion or uh, I, I've come to this current point where I feel that love is very much uh, not re- necessarily like something that you feel like as all encompassing, but more of like a series of responsibilities and obligations, uh, not just to yourself, but to others as well. Like you can love yourself and I'll talk more about this one we ask that question. Um, but, and when you get to that point, you realize that, you know, you want to take better care of yourself or a significant other or a friend or a colleague, uh, you're invested in, in their happiness, or I'll use the word outcomes, I guess, because, uh, outcomes is more general, right? It doesn't have to be about happiness or sadness or any emotion, but it could just be like whatever, like for instance, Corbin, whatever you want in your life, I'm invested in you achieving those things, <clears throat> whether they're goals mm. or emotions, or you just want to get through, you know, the Game of Thrones whole series on a Saturday or something like that. It's kind of your moral support to uh, get through a binge watching session. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can do it, man. I, I like that. I like how you've uh, brought out a more general kind of perspective. So there are feelings involved. There are goals maybe that are particular to individuals and to their desires, but uh, to kind of encompass all those different possibilities, focusing on outcomes in a general sense. 
What's interesting is that you focused on the in- outcomes that they want. It's not like you're determining what outcomes they should have and aiming for those. You, you've, you're focusing on their desired outcomes. Do you think that that's um, uh, intentional? Like, are, are you embracing that their desired outcomes are what you should appropriately be aiming for? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't ever, I don't think I ever made that shift in mindset. Like to me, when I talk about like the romantic idea of Hollywood kind of love, it's very, it feels very self-focused, right? Like you're in love with this person, Mm. but it's all about how they make you feel. And Mm. that's part of it, right? Like you, I don't think you ever get to a point in your relationship, uh, or at least to that point in your relationship, especially when it's like a romantic significant other or a best, best friend or a brother that you, you know, that you still communicate with and are invested in their life. Sibling, I'll say, not just brother. I don't think you ever get to that point without having some sort of personal satisfaction out of it. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, um, when you really discover... I guess I'll just say this for myself. When I really discovered what I thought of love, then I noticed that I was invested in all of these other things as well. And then I found that it helped me in these relationships. Like I had stronger friendships. I had stronger romantic partners. I had stronger, you know, work relationships. When I uh, focused instead of on how those things made me feel and instead how I can help others achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. I wonder if there's a difference, if you could articulate a difference, um, maybe give it a different word or try and figure out what's going on when we think about a romantic relationship where maybe I'm thinking about the outcomes I want, marriage or just a a really close, intimate relationship or hot sex, whatever the goals are that I'm aiming for in a particular relationship versus when I approach that same person in that same relationship with, I want for them what they want out of this relationship. I'm looking for what they want out of life, you know, and, and redirecting your aims towards their aims. Are both of those different kinds of loving relationships? And maybe one is more what you prefer to the other, or do you see as one loving and one not loving? How would you parse that? That's interesting. Uh, as you were asking about it, I kept thinking of my um, work in nonprofit organizations, uh, and at the and I think I've mentioned this several times before. But like, as you start working on a particular program, you kind of develop like goals and objectives of the program, right? And you have to consider assets in either your you know your your community sphere or people within the organization or potential partners that you're working with and you have to take into consideration their goals as well. And the program is never as successful without those considerations, right? If it's all about the program focus, then you're missing other people's goals and it can only go so far. And so I wouldn't say that it's like not a loving relationship, but maybe it's only like half as, or, you know, maybe it's only a fraction as fulfilled as it could possibly be. And I'm not mm. trying to, like, establish a hierarchy of love here. But I think, like, if we're talking about, you know, we'll just use our friendship, for example. Uh, if we're talking about this kind of a friendship, right, you might find it one-sided. 
if I constantly think of it as myself. But as soon as I, hmm. as soon as I start contributing other things to the relationship, and it could be as simple as like a weekly phone call or text, um, just so that you know that I'm thinking about you, and then you get that like hmm. sort of self satisfaction. But then it, you know, we talked about this in our, um, I think it was the player player episode, where at some point the chemistry where you're doing things on the court helps build into whether or not you're going to do more selfless things on the court. And then that propels mm. you from like a, a playoff team to a championship team. And so I think like be, being a playoff friendship is perfectly fine. Right. If that's what both people want, but what if both people want to have a championship friendship, then both people should try and put into that. I think. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Okay. So I, I've, if I can <laughs> I was going to say, I've gone down this road for a little while. So uh, let's hear what your final question is. And then I'm going to flip it back on you. Actually, what I was going to do is say, uh, before we just go in too far in one direction, maybe we should reverse course. So yeah. Okay. You so can ask that question again. <laughs> now you get the big question. What is love? Simple, easy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, Definitely have to admit that my conception of love was heavily influenced growing up in an evangelical Christian home where we were uh, strongly, it was really impressed upon us that love as displayed in the movies on Valentine's Day cards and that kind of stuff wasn't really love. Love was supposed to imitate this divine nature of God. And now as an atheist, I don't have that kind of metaphysical picture, but I have to admit like years and years and years of thinking about love in that way has has shaped how I conceive of love and what that term is supposed to apply to. So I just give that kind of caveat. But um, instead of trying to go through the whole history of how I came to this, I'll just share like my where I'm at now is I, I feel like love is other centric. You're focused on somebody else and you're focused on their best interests. So to parse just a little bit, it may not be what they desire, but it's what is in their best interest. So they may not actually desire their best interest, and it might be the most loving thing to do is to try and save them from their desires. Uh, but in the same breath, it will take into account what their desires are when we try to figure out what's in their best interest. So I leave that kind of in a vague notion, but but to love someone actively is to do things that is focused on helping someone else achieve their best interest. And to do it, to be in love or to have love as a passive kind of relationship, to me, is to be oriented towards someone's best interests. Uh, so so I think we have the two sides of it. I can be, I can do love or I can be in love. And I see as those two sides of the same coin. Interesting. Um, I like how you basically took what I said and and made it not very specific. And I like always fall into these tangibles um you but you did say like you see them as two sides of the same coin could you maybe like articulate that a little bit more sure i think it's really difficult uh something that's come up in some of our interviews is that the one word love can be applied in so many different ways and uh other languages have more than one word so it might be a little bit of a paucity of english that we can't really specify which kind of love we're talking about. But I think in common parlance, when we say that we love someone, we're thinking of the more passive orientation 
like relationship. I'm in a relationship such that I orient my concerns and priorities to be focused on their concerns and priorities. But I want to say that real love is something a little bit stronger, or active love, I should say, not real love. Active love is doing the things, not just being oriented and, and open to someone else's interests, but doing things actively to pursue their better interests. And I think love is work. I think it's effort. Uh, but it's not. it doesn't come sui generis. It's not out of nowhere. There is this relationship that is kind of the background and context for those actions. So I don't want to ignore that passive moment of love as well. Yeah, I think that explains it really good. While you were talking, I was just trying to write a note to myself. Um, <clears throat> you talked about, um, you know, love is being, uh, is like doing something in somebody's best interests. And I very much talked about it as like helping them achieve their goals. And mm -hmm. um, there's definitely a slippery slope on both sides, right? I think of like a really extreme case uh -huh. of like alcoholism or drug abuse right? Or even uh, suicide, where if I, like in my world, right, helping them achieve their best interest would be doing all of those extremely dangerous things to the self, right? And in your world, um, doing the opposite of all of those things would could potentially lead to like the fracture of the relationship. So mm -hmm. in uh, in your essence of love, how do you balance the doing things in their best interests? That's good. I, it kind of segues into one of our other questions. So we can make that segue now or, or talk about it later. But I do think that this is one of the ways that conflict can arise, even in a loving relationship. If you're focused on others' best interests, you can be in love and be trying to practice love with and for someone and still generate conflict because I might not know what their best interests are. I might think I know and therefore act something that's in contrast to what's actually in their best interests. Or maybe that person and I disagree about what their best interests are. And so there's a conflict about what I want to do for them and what they want me to do for them. Uh, there's also just the possibility that I'm unmotivated to carry out my loving actions for their best interests because that lo love orientation has been undermined. Like maybe there's some distrust or lack of empathy or or I'm exhausted and so I'm not motivated and and so the person can sense the relax in the act of love and feel kind of rebellion or not rebellion but uh rejection and frustration with that so you can be in a loving relationship with someone and still generate conflict love isn't automatically a a preventative for for conflict uh, so I, I would just say to your question about like well what happens when when you want to do something for their best interest and it fractures the relationship, I think that can be an outcome of love. Sometimes the loving thing is to pursue, to take the risk to pursue that, which is best for the other person, even though it might harm your interaction and relationship with them. Yeah. I do want to transition into the conflict question, but I, I have to ask you, um, does love in your mind have to be two way? Good. No, I, I think that there, we can use the one word love in both ways. I think we can talk about a love relationship that is mutual other concern, right? Where both parties the can take turns as the lover and as the beloved because they care about each other's best interests. 
And then there can be the I love you, which doesn't demand that you love me, right? There's the unidirectional that I care about your interests, even if you don't care about mine. And I think both of those capture different ways that we talk about love. Uh, we, it might be useful in some way, sometime to come up with a term to differentiate those, because I do think that they are different uh, and have different responsibilities. But the other concern is still kind of core to both of those notions of love. So I think there's something similar going on there. Okay. I think we've, uh, we've said all that there is to say about love in, you know, a five minute window. All of it. All of it. That's <laughs> <Right>. everything. <laughs> yeah. How about you then on conflict? Uh, I, I know that there's other topics we wanted to go into, but since we've already kind of opened the door, where does conflict come in a loving relationship and how can how does conflict affect your love for someone and how does love maybe alter or change the conflict? Uh, there's definitely, I'm going to have a hard time with this because uh, I'm heavily influenced by everybody else's responses from the interviews in this case, because everyone had a very different, but similar interpretation of conflict. And I hope we can talk more about this maybe in another episode, but um, I guess to me, right. We, when we asked this question, we weren't really trying to understand if conflict is something that happens or if it's unavoidable, because obviously it is. Uh, we were just trying to find out how people deal with it and how they, it reflects their, their view of love. And I guess one of the things that I was trying to search for, I know this is a lot of backstory, is, is like, at what point is conflict too much for a mm. relationship? And you started, you started to go into that with your description. And I think um, what I have to say about that is like, because your focus on others, and there still is a little bit of your own self uh, appreciation or gratification involved in the relationship, that there, there's going to be some point where the conflict is just too much to deal with. Like, uh, especially if we're talking about, like, I love another and we have a conflict in that love, which is okay, right? But it, I have to also balance my love of myself with that. And I, maybe that's where, like, the conflict comes. My dad articulated it really well as, like, uh, conflict arises from expectations a lot of times. And with mm. a friendship... I mean, I'll, I guess I'll save these perspectives for when we talk about the differences for the next question. Um, but the, the love that exists, sorry, I'm going to say that again, cause that's a stupid sentence. The, <laughs> um, now I've like totally lost my train of thought. I'm editing this part out. Cut this here. <laughs> expectations, expectations. Expectations. Thank you. Uh, so with the expectations, right, there's like the things that you desire and there's the things that you're uh, in your in your instance um, that you deem are the best interests interests of the other. And maybe there's a little bit of like, you know, objective orientation in that as well. And so I think that's where the expectations come in, right? Like you have these ideas of what's best for the other person and they might not agree with that. And right. you also are trying to balance 
your own expectations of yourself. What's, what are like, what am I trying to, I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to live a long life. Maybe it's income related or, you know, job security, whatever, whatever these other interests are. And like when things don't go according to the plan, that's where like the conflict arises. And there might be other aspects at play here, although I can't think of anything that falls outside of expectations right now. Um, and I just think that at some point, to your point about love um, being, you know, you can have love for somebody even if they're maybe not loving you in return or <clears throat> or maybe like it's not even love, it's like indifference or something like that, that you can still have those expectations, but maybe it's to a different extent because there's less of an interaction than you're than the relationship had before, or maybe will come in the future. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. I want to draw back on something that your mom uh, really brought out and it, it was touched on by others, but she kind of was first and, and used one of my favorite words, vulnerability. First. And she talked, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but it was really uh, important to me to think about risk and trust. This relationship of trying to do what's in the other's interest doesn't come at no cost. You expend energy, time, maybe financial resources, maybe the the safety of the threshold of your own home, right? You might choose to live with a a partner or a friend. And so that loving relationship kind of takes over your abode, right? So there might not be a, a place of safety that doesn't involve this relationship. And so the risk to invite someone into that kind of relationship to do the things that expose yourself to possibly being taken advantage of or you're feeling getting your feelings hurt or using resources that you can never get back that later you might regret like those are all possible sources of conflict and regret but if you love someone it's going to engage that kind of risk if if it didn't cost anything we would just love everyone and it wouldn't be that kind of a special of a thing. Uh, part of the reason that it matters and means so much to us is because I'm choosing to take on your interests as my interests. I'm prioritizing what is in your best interest, what's in, what's your good for you at my own cost. And so I think it's really important to recognize that being vulnerable opens one up to being hurt. And so conflict is going to kind of hit a very special and sore sore spot when we open ourselves and expose our, our vulnerabilities. I think that's a really good point. And there's a couple things that uh, I don't think my dad mentioned this in the interview, but he's talked to me about this throughout my whole life. So I can't help but think of it now. And uh, one of those things is like fear. Uh, mm. Some of it's based on your own perceptions, anecdotal evidence and stuff like that. Some of it's based on just straight up things that you hear about. Right. You talk about like, um, you know, uh, somebody taking all your money because you let them get too close or uh, maybe, you know, extreme case, you get murdered or something in your sleep. This is a fear of Salia's. Um, and that like I've never experienced anything like that before in my life, but it's not something that I don't think about. I know a double negative there. You know, like, and it comes from like, I hear it on the news or you see it in the movies or something like that. And all those things like affect your perception. But like you said, like, if you didn't have these other sources, maybe we could just love everybody the same way. But there's also like personal 
choice or freedom. I don't know if I agree with that exact statement, but there's some sort of influence where people make different decisions that are outside of like, you know, societal expectations. And then that is where like these, you know, nuances come into play. So one thing that I also wanted to say about conflict is that if you're in loving relationships and you care about others, you can care about more than one person, right? It's not always just you and one other. And so some of the conflicts can be, I have a limited amount of time, limited amount of resources and a limited amount of energy, even emotional energy to invest in all of the different people that I care about and care about their best interests. So sometimes the conflicts can be generated by, I have to pick and choose and prioritize like how I'm going to spend those resources. And even though I care about you right now, I can't expend those resources for you because I'm expending them for someone else. And so I think there's, we're going to talk more later about the different kinds of loving relationships, but I think just in general, the fact that you can love more than one person at one time is going to set itself up for some possible conflict. Yeah. And, um, one thing that uh, you were saying in that, that made me think was, and I sort of started to ask this during some of the interviews and I couldn't quite figure it out, but the way you said it just here, um, I think it finally put the picture into my head, which is, something we didn't get into, how does conflict either help us build or inhibit the building of relationships? Mm. And I'm just, I'm not like asking the, you specifically, this is kind of a general question. Maybe we can talk through it. Yeah. I like that you open up both possibilities because I just portrayed a picture in which it inhibits, right? Where you have competing love relationships or some relationships are love relationships and others are, are not. And so your priorities kind of restrict where you're going to spend your time and energy and what risks you're going to take. So that can generate conflict and conflict can can redirect which relationships you prioritize. Right. If you love someone, but they're constantly rejecting your efforts to to meet their interests. And so you feel rebuffed. You might redirect to another loving relationship. Uh, But it's interesting that also conflict can open up a loving relationship. I'd like to hear more about that if you have something in mind. I didn't really. I just kept thinking about, um, I think it was something I said with the interview with Katie, and I don't remember if we actually recorded this part or not, Uh, but I kept thinking about your parents and um, my mom and her husband, my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom. We kind of got hints of this through all of these really long relationships. And I mean, I can honestly, I don't even think you and I have ever truly had any sort of real conflict. I think we've had like enough nuanced conflicts to help know exactly like where we stand, if that makes sense. But I think, and I think in those cases, like all the really long relationships and even our relationship that the conflicts help you define the boundaries. And so I'll phrase it in a way of like, they keep you sane, right? Because you can go on tangents, and I don't mean this in like a, a mental health kind of way, but like you can, you know, your expectations can take a tangent and the conflicts help you define the bounds of where the expectations can go, right? Like maybe we have a conversation mm. and we're talking about our financial future. And so you can get a sense of that, but then you also know like, uh, like when my mom was talking about, you know, risk and and trust, 
it was in that moment that I got a sense of like, like I knew this obviously, but all of her childhood experiences define these things for her. And now like looking back on my youth and upbringing, I saw like decisions that she made made much more sense. And like when you're mm. a kid, everything feels arbitrary. Like, oh, I can't eat pizza tonight. To hell with you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll eat my macaroni and cheese. This disgusting nonsense. But at the same time, like having the context, you're like, oh, now I understand why she made the decisions that she made. And I understand why um, your parents talked about, you know, having conflicts as a way of growing the relationship and then being able to deal with the conflict as another important aspect of it. And so tying this back into what I initially said with Katie, I just kept thinking about when you're forming a relationship, how, like, you don't really have big conflicts and maybe you're less, you're averse to conflict because you might want to see where you're going because you have, uh, at this point, I wouldn't say their expectations, maybe their goals. You talked about like having sex with somebody or, um, trying to like see where this goes, take it to the next level, have a date for the prom or whatever. Um, so you had these, like, you may be averse to conflict. And at some point somebody says something that you're not quite in tune with, but because you're not willing to have the conflict, you're willing to end the relationship in that, mm -hmm. in that way, shape or form. Does any of this resonate with you? It does. And it also made me think of two instances where maybe conflict initiated the relationship. And uh, one of these stories is not mine to tell. So I'll leave the individual, like I won't name the individuals, but I remember two friends, uh, two people who are now friends. One of them I knew, you know, pretty well. And they kept complaining about this coworker that just kept getting under their skin and kept making fun of them in public settings and undermining their contributions at work. And they felt like they're only, recourse with sarcasm and to belittle this other person and they didn't want that kind of hostility at work like they felt like it was going in a real, really bad direction so instead they took that person aside they went out uh for a smoke break and had some conversations about like what's going on here why why do i feel like you're constantly challenging me did i do something to offend you can i make it better and i don't remember the specifics of that conversation but what grew out of that was they ended up being like best friends. <laughs> they were not only able to work together, they hung out together all, all the time outside of work. And uh, now they travel to see each other because they don't live close to each other anymore. And so uh, that's an interesting story. And then I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was getting bullied by, by this guy that was kind of known for being a bully. And I just was really uncomfortable. I was complaining to my parents and just really focused on my pain. <laughs> and my mom was like, huh, I wonder why that person feels like they need to be bullying you. Let's have them over. And I was like, no, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to have a play date with my bully. <laughs> she did. She, she had me over. We, you know, she made homemade cookies and, and fresh baked cookies and we played basketball. And at the end of the day, he's like, nobody's really ever wanted to hang out with me. I've always felt so alone. And this was really cool. And we, we didn't become best friends like the first story, but like, Things were cool. Uh, we were able to talk at school, and and I showed other people like he doesn't. He's not always a jerk. If you're kind to him, he'll be kind back. And I hopefully uh, things were a lot less frustrating and stressful for him. And I know for me, I was glad to no longer be afraid of a bully. You brought up a really interesting point there. Uh, we've never we haven't talked about how how love affects others. We've talked about perceptions of love in that, but I think your story really. 
articulates that really well, actually. Like, just a simple act of love can can change someone's perspective or your perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's both, right? It's very transformative for both people. Uh, and I felt like a healthier human being after kind of being, I won't say coerced, but encouraged to do kind and loving things instead of protective things. So we've, uh, I, I, I've infiltrated this idea too much, I think, into this conversation. So I'm just going to go full tilt. Um, All right. we, we have these, you know, you mentioned this earlier, the, the language, the English language might be too restrictive around the word love. So let's just get right into it, right? Uh, how is love of self, of others, of close, you know, close relationships, of things, and of ideas or concepts, how are those things different? Let's get right into this. Nice. <laughs> I do think that there's a difference when we talk about loving a thing. Uh, some something that's inanimate or or not a a person. Uh, it's tougher for me to think about re relationships with other sentient beings that we don't share common languages with. Um, I'm thinking here of pets, but I think in those kind of cases, if they're sentience, there's still something like they are the kind of beings that have concerns. And so you can be concerned for their concerns, right? You can look for their interests and, and the things that they would be concerned about. So those kind of slide closer to me to the kind of love we've already been talking about. When I say I love basketball, I love watching or playing basketball. I don't think I typically mean I care about the, the interest of the sport. We mentioned in a previous episode that maybe it could be taken in that way. And I think that's a fascinating experience extrapolation from the notion of love but i think there we just mean like it pleases me or i'm i'm enthusiastic about and i'm okay with using the word love as a metaphor i guess of of feeling invested like you would maybe in an investment for someone whose concerns that you take on as your own so uh there's like an intensity there that that you're making an analogy to a loving relationship but i don't think when i say i love basketball that i'm actually doing active or passive love there or making right <laughs> right <laughs> i have so many bad pictures in my head right now <laughs> so you said something in the very beginning that was interesting to me and that was um like the i you know ex expressing love for ideas or or things uh that that's not really what we mean and i think that's true but it what was interesting in our interviews with both katie uh sorry maps and the nature chef my brother was i very much got the sense that that's what they meant when they expressed love of nature or like my brother more particularly with animals his animals right but they both have like this deep appreciation of the outdoors. And I wonder like, is it possible that that appreciation can blend more into the concepts of love that we've talked about for the past, I don't know, month or two? Good, very good question. And I think it's a good point to clarify. You and I have given our kind of definitions, working definitions of love today, but that doesn't mean that that's what each of those people that we interviewed 
understood by the term love. And so I right. don't want to project back back into what they said, uh, our frameworks now. So um, when they express their love for nature, or uh, my brother talked about his love for his daughters, uh, or we talked about players loving the game, like, I... I can try to understand from my concept what I think is going on there, but it's not fair to then say when they say I love that, that's what they mean. Right. And so I'll, I'll just kind of let the interviewees and hopefully people that haven't seen those episodes will go back and, and hear more about the love interests of, of our guests because uh, there's a lot of variety there and a lot of interesting perspectives, a lot to learn from. Yeah. I think that's definitely the point is like um, one thing that surprised me in all these interviews was how different everybody's, personal, I won't say definition, but frameworks, I think is a great word, is from mm. each other and how some things that I thought about were obviously things that others thought about too, but they might have put a different twist on it because of their own experiences and perceptions. And uh, I just remember in that conversation with my brother, I kept thinking like, like there's no way that you can love an object or, a, you know, a thing or something like that. But the way he expressed it, I was like, holy cow, he actually like, he means this love in the same, or at least I'm perceiving that he means this love in the same way that he loves another thing. He's getting all of that, those things for it. And, you know, I think like you can kind of tease it out with uh, players love of the game because they say this in the interview, mm -hmm. right? They're trying to impact the game. They're trying to, to make it better which kind of gets at your mm -hmm. point earlier of like doing things in the best interest of the other and not the self, right? Like you do get notoriety for yeah. it, but you know, we're not going to get to the point where everybody's taken a hundred threes a game without Steph Curry <laughs> saying like, you know, I love this game so much. I'm going to show that there's more to it than this. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important too, to kind of point out that both of our definitions operate without taking into consideration emotions. It doesn't mean that it excludes them, but you can apply the definitions without thinking about the what it feels like to love. Uh, and I do think that there are a lot of emotions that are associated with those loving acts and those love relationships, and they're very strong feelings. And I think we can characterize them as things like excitement, comfort, uh, tr you know, the trusting relationship may make us feel safe, right? Those kind of feelings can be projected onto and, and apply to other relationships. And so maybe that's where some of the analogy comes to that I feel the same way about nature, my food, my uh, about basketball, as I do when I'm doing these acts for this person that I care about. And so that might be one reason too that we associate love there. And I, I think that those emotions are related to love. I just don't define love by those emotions. Yeah, I really think that that's a, a good way to phrase that. Um, I also, at least the way I think about it is emotions kind of come about from our evolutionary needs. And at least the way we've talked about love, those are, they're more meta I think than our base evolutionary instincts and so mm. like we've only developed these like evolutionary emotions and I'm sure we're developing new ones based on how we interact with the world and so like I get a sense of like excitement right 
from love, but that's like how my body reacts to it. And my brain can process something differently than that, but I wouldn't be able to articulate it any differently than that because I guess mm -hmm. that's just what I know. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't spent a lot of time trying to categorize and, and distinguish my feelings very well, but I wonder if someone who has and is very thoughtful about how they break down and categorize emotions, if they couldn't give a very articulate picture of what it's like to feel like one is in love. I, I bet that they could give a very nuanced explanation or not explanation, but description and characterization of the what it's like to be in love or to be doing something out of love. So I, I am hesitant to reduce everything to what, I mean, it still might be a reaction. And I think your note that it comes evolutionary evolutionarily makes perfect sense to me, but I don't think that thereby it's non-conceptual or, or non, uh, it can't be broken down and understood more thoroughly. I think there are people that can do that. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I was just saying like, I literally don't know how to do that. And, and you basically oh, gotcha. said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I think you're right. Cause like, I mean, we were able to tease apart our own concepts of how we, you know, express and articulate love. And I guess like, I only know like five emotions or whatever. So there's got to be more to it than that. Right. And maybe it's, you know, easily expressed as like neuroreceptors, like these things go fire off when you have these experiences or something, but I don't want to trivialize it like that right now. I do have one final yeah. question, if that's okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm surprising Corbin here. I guess this is the, a question right back at me as well, but you said something earlier that really got my noodle going. And uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, do we choose to love? <laughs> a callback to season one? Is that what this is? <laughs> a callback to season one, but you actually, uh, you actually used those words earlier in this interview or in this, you know, this episode. So it, I was like, do we choose to love? Oh my God. I don't know what to think about this. So I want to hear what you have to say first. Yeah, that's probably a strongly controversial aspect of, of my approach. I think I, I, I don't want to generalize. I don't know what the percentages are, uh, but I think that there are a lot of people that feel like love happens to them. They, they fall in love kind of describes this. It wasn't intentional. I didn't try to, to have that kind of relationship with this person on purpose. It happened, happened to us. And I am a little bit more skeptical of that. Uh, not that it doesn't happen, but I think as you have relationships with others, you can grow to care about their their concerns as much as much of or as part of your concerns. And at that point, I think your investment, you have a choice whether to pursue that relationship and to make their concerns matter to you or not. And that's going to affect what kind of relationship you have. So again, if we take emotions as something that goes along with love and isn't what defines love, 
then I think choice is a little bit more of an option. But of course, that all depends on whether or not we have any choices at all. <laughs> like, is is there free will? And that takes us back to season one. Right. And I think it was a little bit of a trick question because when you, you phrased it that way, uh, I was just going to jokingly say, like, I've been tricked into this. I don't love you. You tricked me into loving you. <laughs> but at the same time, like... Um, you know, when we've talked about expectations and goals and best interests, at some point, like when you make those things your best interests as well, and you set up a new set of expectations, like maybe at that point you're making the choice to commit to this for as long as it takes or whatever. But then at some point, those like things become habits and they're like on autopilot. And sometimes you're, I feel like you're not making choices and maybe you still are. I don't know. Um, but then even like earlier in the relationship, when I talked about, when we were talking about does conflict build or inhibit the relationship, right? Like maybe your prior experiences kind of trigger you into accepting or rejecting the experience of this relationship. And even in those cases, I would err on the side of like, you're not really choosing to take one path or another, you're kind of just going with what your base, I don't want to use the word instinct, but like your base reactions are in that moment. And, you know, maybe that's how we end up with like really severe fights. Cause we're, we're going back to like our base reactions in this instance. Um, but that's kind of, I guess where I'm at right now. Now that's interesting. And it goes back to something that happened in my parents' interview where they talked about the, kind of the meta choice, like in the moment, they're just kind of living their lives and may not think about every single action and word as as if it's out of love. But there's an, like a meta choice that I am going to love this person and we're going to see our way through whatever conflicts arise. So uh, maybe something, an unkind word is said or uh, self-interest superseded caring about somebody else's interest and it hurt their feelings or interfered with, it, maybe it hurt them. Uh, but there's a kind of extra choice above that that says, well, now I want to reconcile that. Yeah. I, I'm not just going to let it take its natural course. I have a desire to not let that be the way that this relationship goes. And so maybe I have to qualify my statement by saying you don't choose every act in a loving relationship, uh, and you may not start out every relationship choosing whether it's going to be a uh, a loving relationship or not but i think at some point you choose whether to stay in that relationship and, and whether your aim is going to be to care about that the other's interests or not yeah thanks for reminding me of that because i think i can uh, wrap up my initial thought with uh, maybe this is where like the conflict can inhibit the relationship because you're like in those moments, you're not really choosing. Um, but when you have these moments of clarity where you reflect on it afterwards, that's where you can make that meta choice, um, where you can determine that. And sometimes relationships do fall apart before it gets to that point and you reflect on it later in life. I, at least I have where I'm like, man, I really wish I had made this decision instead of just doing what I did at that moment or I thought about it a little bit more. Maybe this could have been... a a deeper relationship. And I guess mm. to that, I'll just add in final um, that I found in my life that these kinds of relationships 
there's no real end to them, right? Um, at least this is my, this is definitely my experience talking here. It's just like, I've had regrets and choices that affect relationships, but I find that I can always return to those relationships and maybe there's some sort of reconciliation that needs to happen. But um, relationships like essentially never really start from zero again. There's always some baseline mm. where you're beginning from, which I guess I'm appreciative of. I do feel like uh, I just have to qualify some of the previous statements. We've both acknowledged this in previous episodes, but I want to say again, there are some relationships that are not healthy. And like you've mentioned, there's uh, an, a value to self-love and caring about your interests. So even though you might, I might say that you can choose to love through a conflict, there are some conflicts and, and dangers that are not worth making that choice for. Uh, so I'm thinking extreme, like, well, not even extreme, like domestic violence, period, is, is something to take seriously. Uh, there's other kinds of conflicts that maybe there's other relationships that you can choose to invest your energies in, and it's just not worth trying to force that relationship to happen. Mm -hmm. So I do kind of want to say, even if we say that choice is involved here, uh, insofar as it's involved doesn't mean that you have to make that choice. You're not obligated to, to choose love in every in every case. Well said. That being said, man, I love you. <laughs> Damn it, you scooped me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, so too. You can't say it. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, well, thank you to our listeners, and we'll see you next time.